Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, relationships, and money. Join me as together we question, explore, and strive to understand. Welcome back to the Rebel Love Podcast. I am your host, Talia, and today I'm super pumped to have a candid conversation with April Herndon. April and I met through a connection, a work connection, actually, and uh, we really connected on the first call we had. We talked about mostly private stuff rather than business, actually. And uh, April spoke a lot about her awesome husband and how after 11 years, she still feels as in love or even more in love than when she first started their relationship. April currently works online teaching people how to earn a living through becoming a virtual assistant. And last year, she retired her husband. Welcome, April. Hey, Talia. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. I've, I loved having that conversation with you and uh, even my assistant listened to it to, um, to derive some of the questions we're going to ask today. And she was like, wow, you guys are on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. And we definitely did. We had, we had a connection right away for sure. I was telling um, Caitlin how much I loved you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today? Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. So I live in a little small town called Prosperity, South Carolina, small town USA. I'm married to the love of my life. Like you said, we'll be married 11 years here in just a couple of weeks. We've been together for 13 years. We are definitely more in love than we have ever been. And I feel like it continues to grow every single day. And we've got two beautiful boys. You know, things weren't always easy by any stretch of the imagination. I'd say our first five years of marriage were incredibly hard. We were really poor. We were in our early 20s. And I worked in an incredibly stressful job. And my dream was to be a stay-at-home mom to our boys, but we couldn't afford for me to do that. So um, I went on this quest to figure out how to earn a living on my own, working 100% from home. Figured it out. It ended up that virtual assisting totally landed in my lap and became one of the most sought-after VAs by far. Um, I broke six figures as virtual assistant, which I think a lot of people are like, holy cow. And, you know, and to be totally honest, it was just a process of building my skills, being consistent and raising my rates as my skills grew. And that was how I really got to that kind of income. Mm -hmm. And it really allowed us the financial freedom that we had never had. And I think, I think getting rid of the financial stress definitely helped to myself and my husband for sure. But, you know, it definitely wasn't all of it. We had to work really hard. We'd separated for a short period early in our marriage and, and we were really, you know, working through those things. And um, how I came to teach people how to work from home is everyone wanted to know what I was doing because I wasn't selling anything. I wasn't doing MLMs and and things like that. And I, I frequently posted on social media about how, just how grateful I was that I got to be home with my kids. I mean, when they were sick, you know, I was there to take care of them. And I just never wanted to lose sight of that. I always wanted to stay humble and, you know, just remain grateful that I get to stay at home and work. And so then everyone started asking me and um, I had this crazy idea to create a school so I could teach 
mass amounts of people how to do this. And I remember when I actually, I just wrote about this today. It's all over my social media. I sent it out to my email community about how when I went and told my mom that I was going to create a school to teach people how to do virtual assisting, uh, the first thing she said to me is, that'll never work. It'll never work. And it did work. And we're at multi-six figures and rapidly growing. And um, I was able to retire my husband last year. He's a disabled combat veteran. He's a Marine, did time in Iraq and was hurt in Iraq. Not he tore his shoulder. So he was a, a lot of people want to know if he shot, if he was shot or anything. It wasn't anything like that, but he ended up having to have a lot of surgeries and things like that. But so yeah, it's just, it's been a wild ride. He is super thankful that he is retired and I'm super thankful that I was able to do that for him. He was a contractor before that. It was very hard on his body and his shoulder and all of those things. And so here we are. He calls himself the um, home life director. And <laughs> so he shuffles kids to baseball practice and mows the lawn and does laundry. And, you know, it's a transition, but he's really happy. He's really happy doing it now. So, mm-hmm. wow. That, yeah, that's certainly a transition, but also that. That's really amazing work that he gets to be with you and with your children and you know be present. I think a lot of children don't have that the privilege of having their parents around so much. So it's really it's really great for your children. Absolutely. It has been such a blessing, especially our boys. So we did everything backwards. So if anybody wants to do the math because we have an 11-year-old and a 15-year-old. So <laughs> we had um I think I told you this, but if everybody's like, "Well, how do you have a 15-year-old if you've been together for 13 years?" We had a one night stand when I was 19 and I got pregnant and we fell in love during his third birthday. Wow. And we've been inseparable ever since. So that is the short version of our story. Who would have thought? And we laugh about it now, but we did a DNA test and all that stuff because he didn't believe me and, you know, the whole shebang. So I tease him about it now, um, especially because our oldest looks nothing like either one of us blonde hair, blue eyes, and we both have brown hair, brown eyes. And so, you know, I tease them about it now, but um, yeah, it's, you know, our kids are really at an age where they really need their dad. I mean, they need their mom too, but you know, especially our 15 year old, he's at, he's really at an age where he really looks up to his dad and um, they go to the gym together. It's really cute. They talk about (laughs) all their truck stuff together and, and, you know, I'm still here for him, but he, he needs me less than he used to. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, what a blessing. I mean, just before we started this call, he turned down a construction job. So, because he was the contractor, so people still, you know, contact him mm-hmm. um, periodically to, to do renovations or build decks and things like that. And so it felt really good to have him turn that down and not have to work so hard. Yeah, that's amazing. That must be so amazing. So you, um, you mentioned that there has been some ups and downs. And so this is a really interesting story, actually. You had a one night stand and you fell really in love and at your, your son's third birthday. And yeah. then you got together and then you'd separated for a short amount of time. Yeah. And now you say you're more in love than ever. Like, how do you think you got to that place? Was there one thing or was it, what was the main thing that you think was, that was kind of, that drove you to this place in your marriage now? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, early on in our marriage, um, like I said, he's a veteran. He was dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. So that was very stressful on our relationship because 
he was behaving in a way that wasn't honoring our marriage. Not he didn't cheat or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but he was behaving in a way that was not conducive to a really good relationship. And I didn't really understand what was happening or why he was behaving that way. And of course, I was all in my feelings about it. And so it really drove me away. And I ended up having an affair, to be honest. And he, I mean, he knows about it. It's okay. We're, we're healed from it. We've moved past it. And honestly, the reason that I'm boldly saying this out loud, and I know everybody is going to hear it, but the reason I'm saying it is because I need people to know that your relationship can heal when that happens. And it's not, it's definitely not something I'm proud of. Um, and this was during our separation. Right. It's definitely not something that I'm proud of, but he also recognizes his role in what got me there. And I think that's really big because, I mean, I was for sure in the wrong, but the fact that he also took his responsibility for how we both got to that position made me respect him that much more. And so, you know, we definitely didn't do it on our own. We had to go through marriage counseling. We had an amazing, amazing counselor. Her name is Joan. She was an old lady. And I remember going in there thinking, you know, I'm this girl in my 20s. And I'm like, what is this old lady going to teach me about my marriage? She knows absolutely nothing. And let me tell you what, (laughs) to this day, we still use the skills that Joan gave us. And it's not the entire reason that our relationship works so well, but it's a really big part of it. And so I think definitely having a neutral person like a counselor come in and help you work through, even when, even when your marriage is good, I think a lot of people associate having to go through therapy when things are bad, Mm -hmm. but it's also really essential to keep things good. Mm -hmm. And so we need to really let go of that stigma around that. And so, you know, she really helped us um, quite a bit and she's retired now and nobody will ever replace Joan, but she's got a very special place in my heart and my husband too. But He went, you know, he got help for his post-traumatic stress disorder. We got him on medication that works for him that helps keep his moods calm. Um, It took both of us working 200% to make it work. We learned each other's love languages and we speak them daily. And it's it's essential because it's so easy to get complacent Mm -hmm. and, you know, forget that you should still be pursuing your partner. And I think that's the biggest thing for us is we still pursue each other. We still like smack each other on the butt in the kitchen. We still make out. We still, in our 15 year old things, it's disgusting. But, <laughs> you know, we still make love several times a week. We still, you know, ha- I mean, we put each other first. And something else that I think a lot of marriages get wrong that we learned in therapy was we should come before our kids. And a lot of people will argue that, but here's the thing. And this is what our therapists help us see. Um, You are supposed to raise your kids to be great human beings and then send them out to start their own life. And then, and I think a lot 
lot of people, I mean, we know you see the kids grow up and then the parents get divorced because what happens is the kids leave the house, they go off and start their life. And then you don't even know who you're married to anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was something that we didn't realize. We're always told, oh, you should put your kids first. No, you shouldn't. You should put your spouse first, then your kids. Mm-hmm. And if you're religious, it should be God, then your spouse, then your kids. And we started really implementing that. And it made a huge difference in our marriage. And, you know, even like if our kids will get like, will pop off and get an attitude with me or something like that, my husband will whip around. He'll say, don't you talk to my wife that way? I mean, and it's just, it's so protective and so nurturing. And I think it really gives our kids a really good example of, you know, and of how to be good husbands even. Mm So you know, it's, it's been doing that daily work that has really allowed our relationship to grow and flourish. And he constantly pursues me. You see these flowers. These are from him. I have flowers, I have fresh flowers in my office all the time. This is so silly, but we were at the grocery store a couple of weeks ago and I saw this. No, we just put in a pool and I live in South Carolina. So it's really hot here and we're right in the middle of summer. And I saw this gigantic inflatable unicorn. And if anybody wants to go to my Instagram page, you will see a picture of me <laughs> on this huge unicorn. And so I, I saw this huge unicorn. And I was like, oh, I need to get that. And he's like, no, no, we've got stuff to do. Come on. Well, a couple of days later, he goes to the gym really early in the morning. And so he comes back from the gym. He comes and he wakes me up and he's like, come here, I've got a surprise for you. And of course, everybody knows where this is going, but he had tricked <laughs> me. So he's like, close your eyes. And he's like, you've got to come outside. And so I'm like, okay. So he has me close my eyes and I walk all the way across the driveway. And he turns me around and he says, okay, open your eyes. And it was a dozen roses. And I was like, oh, this is so sweet, but why did you bring me outside <laughs> to give me these roses and he turned me back around and there was my giant unicorn in the back of his truck. (laughs) Then he got a lot of looks uh, on the way home with that unicorn strapped down. I mean, it is humongous. (laughs) And so it's just things like that and constantly pursuing me, constantly reminding me that he's thinking about me. I mean, I'll be in here working, open the living room and he'll just send a text and say, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. And you know, it's just, it's things like that. And that constant, it's a conscious choice every single day to love each other, to be committed to each other, and then to show that. And more specifically, to show it in their love languages. So his love language is words of affirmation. So telling him, thank you so much for cleaning up the house. And thank you so much for mowing the lawn. Or thanks for running those errands for me. Really speaks to him and makes him feel good and acknowledged and gift giving is my love language. So Mm -hmm. he gets me flowers. He brings me home a big unicorn. He got me when we were in quarantine, I got into doing my nails. I don't know if you can see. Um, I used to always go to the nail salon and then I couldn't. And so I had to figure out, okay, how can I do my nails, man? And he bought me this humongous, like rolling travel makeup thing for all my nail stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, stuff like that, because he's like, well, all your stuff was in plastic bags. I feel like you could really use this. So, you know, just things like that, 
really keeps your relationship. I know that was long winded, but it really keeps your relationship strong. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting about that story is that it really requires a commitment from both parties. So absolutely. So even the fact that you both went to counseling together, you know, speaks volumes that you both really wanted to be there. And I think that a lot of people find themselves in a position where one of them is fighting for the relationship and the other one's kind of like not so fighting. (laughs) Absolutely. And had one of us not been fighting for our marriage, it wouldn't have worked. There's no way. It took both of us really committed and really working on it to get to where we are now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what I always say is you can't control other people and um, you can only control your response. And he actually won me back that way. When we had separated, he had realized for the first time in his life, we actually just talked about this. He had realized for the first time in his life that he just, he really didn't want to lose me and he didn't want to lose our marriage. And for me, I had already checked out and resolved myself to, we're going to get a divorce. And he got counsel from other wise men that were around him and in our church. And, and I mean, you don't have to necessarily be religious. That was just his, you know, who he had surrounding him. And, you know, he was like, well, I can't control what she does, but I'm going to keep on doing my part. And eventually that is what drew me back to him. It was so endearing and so sweet to see that man come out. And it, it really, it made me fall back in love with him again. I mean, he's taking our kids to church. He's spending lots of time with our kids instead of, well, she's left me. Let me go out and party. Let me go out and screw around with somebody else. Let me, you know, just put it in the ditch even more. He decided, even though he couldn't control me or my actions or what I was doing, he was going to, he could control himself. And so he was going to behave in a way that would be conducive to putting our marriage back together. So, you know, but it doesn't always work out that way. And I know that, but it definitely, it takes so much work equally from both parties, just going head on with it and making it work. And, and it's not always such hard work either. Right. Um, Cause I think that is not super sustainable for a lot of people if they're always in crisis. So, I mean, our relationship now is very easy and, and effortless. Now we are, we're in the habit of serving each other. And sometimes it's funny because we outserve each other. And like, I mean, like things like in the morning, he gets my coffee for me every single morning. I do not touch my coffee pot. He gets it for me. He brings it to me. There's some days I'm so busy with work that I wouldn't even eat if it weren't for him. He comes in, make sure I have water, make sure I have food. You know, can I get you anything? All the things. So, you know, focusing on serving each other and not what you are or aren't getting from your partner. If you really turn that around and say, okay, well, how can I be the best partner? I think it'll change a lot of people's perspectives in their relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really great advice. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, taking responsibility, I can only control what I'm doing. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. In our last conversation, you said the words, your past doesn't define you. Like you mentioned having some trauma in your life. And so I just wanted to ask, how did you move past that trauma and to go on to build such a successful relationship? Because it sounds like from what you're saying, 
that really the main thing that got you there was you were both aware that of what was going on and then you both you know made a conscious decision to do something about it but yet you do have this past so do you feel comfortable talking a little bit about them absolutely um i'm actually writing about this on my web on my new website so i'm totally open about it and it's something that i've healed from and i really feel like you cannot really teach about something until you've healed from it and so and by all means, I should have been a statistic. I was molested as a little girl when I was three, to be exact. And then um, several times thereafter, I was raped by the time I was 12. I was um, in sixth grade by a 15-year-old boy. And yeah, it's cringeworthy, right? I mean, you think yeah. about that. And you think, oh, she talks about it so casually. But again, it's because I've healed from it. So the way that I sought out affection was through promiscuity. Right. And I mean, after that, I was willingly having sex. I mean, in middle school, all through high school. And because that was where I was seeking my Mm self-esteem. And so I was raised by a single mom. She was in and out of marriages. She was married five times. And I love my mom dearly. But we had a chaotic, a a chaotic upbringing. We had um, abusive an abusive stepfather who's passed away now, but when I was five years old for punishment, he would stick me in freezing cold showers and make me stand there for as long as he told me to. And I actually confided in a teacher what was going on in child protective services was was called. They lied. And of course there's no proof, but putting me in a cold shower didn't leave marks on me. Yeah. So, but it was torture. Yeah. Oh gosh you know, going through things like that. And, you know, by all means should have been a statistic. And I think it was, and even early on in my marriage, I still had these self-esteem issues that I was really working through because of my past. And ultimately I had to find my self-esteem within myself. And I really think it came from growing my business on my own and realizing that I'm smart and I'm capable and I have so much more to offer than my body or my looks or, you know, things like that. And so I really think that's what kind of lifted the veil for me was through building my business and then encouraging other women to, um, to build their own business. Mm -hmm. And so it, I really, you really have to work. You, you really have to work on yourself and be good with yourself. You can't rely on other, it, it can't be, I can't rely on my husband to do that for me. This is the work that I have to do on my own in order to move past it. And so, and I still, I still struggle. Absolutely. I, um, you know, I mean, it never, it never goes away. It's, it's almost like addiction, you know, it's, it's something that you're always conscious of. You're always aware of. And I consciously try not to seek self-esteem in those unhealthy ways. I mean, and honestly, like I'm scared to lose weight. It's, it's a real fear that I have. I don't want attention from men because that used to be a trigger for me. Right. And so, you know, it's being aware of those things and knowing your own problems and not relying on other people to fix those for you, Mm -hmm. I think is, is really important, but you know, it's something that I have to work at all the time. Mm -hmm. 
It sounds like you have a, um, a really heightened awareness. It's kind of like you are aware of something and then you identify what, which direction you want to go and then you take action. How did you cultivate that? Oh man. Well, I have always been crazy strong-willed. Always. It is, it's literally, it's in my blood. I was really, I mean, even as a baby, I was really sick. I almost didn't even make it here. My mom, um, had a condition where she could not keep any food down when she was pregnant with me and, um, almost miscarried me many times. I was two weeks past due and only five pounds at birth. So I was very tiny and very sick. I had lots of respiratory issues and and things like that, that I had to overcome. So I was always, I'm strong-willed from the beginning. So I think just through my persistence and seeing just slowly over time, seeing what I was capable of. And I was like, cause you know, we're always told, Oh, we have to do things this way. And, and it even started when I got pregnant when I was 19 and I had him when I was 20, even doing that on my own, they showed me, I gained so much steam through that because it just showed me how much I was capable of. And then, but even then it was a struggle. It was like, okay, well, I'm a single mom and I'm going to, you know, become a statistic that way. And I just, I didn't settle for that ever. And I always strived and that doesn't mean I don't screw up, but I always strive to be the, the absolute best version of myself and what other people think and what other people say absolutely 100% does not matter. And so, you know, as long as I was doing what I thought I should be doing, no one else's opinions mattered of me. And so I think just through a series of really real going through situations and realizing what I'm actually capable of, and then building on that and you get more and more confidence. And then I'm like, you know, so I got through single motherhood and then I got through marriage problems and then I got through starting my own business and became successful as a VA. And then I was like, oh, well, what else can I do? And then I started a school and, you know, then I started attracting people that were really prominent in this industry. And, and people are like, how'd you do that? I'm like, I just asked, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) I just, I didn't hold back. I just asked and I figure, well, the worst that could happen is they'll say no. And I have been told no by many people. And, but I, I keep standing back up. I don't let it, I don't let anybody else shoot me down. I, and do I get shot down? Yes. Do things happen that, you know, maybe I do a launch and it doesn't work out the way I planned. Yes. But I don't let that determine how I'm going to respond. I keep going. And I think, I think the world would be a lot different if people really understood their capabilities mm-hmm. and the power that everyone already has inside them. I'm successful not because of luck. My marriage is successful not because of luck. Bless you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. Excuse me. This is real life. So, you know, I am by no means lucky. I am, I have a high school diploma. I make more than my brother, who's a doctor, which is a running joke in the family because he's, because, you know, my brother always thought that things had to happen traditionally. 
you go to right. school, you go to college, yep. you want to make a lot of money, you know, you get your doctorate and, you know, um, you, you keep on working and not that it takes any, anything away from me. Cause I've been working at this for nine years. Right. So it's like you go to college for nine years or you can work in entrepreneurship for nine years. So the work hasn't been any less by any means, but certainly not traditional. Yeah. And so I think just keep on staying true to yourself. What's the worst that could happen? And life's too short to not go for your dreams. Just do it. If you want to do something, make it happen. You absolutely have it within you for sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'm very much the same going down the non-traditional road. <laughs> I just have never been one to be like a university person. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to forge my own path because that's my style. And you know, I, I kind of don't like being put in that box. So um, yeah, I love that you earn more money than your, <laughs> than your doctor brother. That is awesome. <laughs> it, um, I make quite a bit more than him and, um, we joke about it all the time and it's always been kind of, um, this friendly competition between my brother my sister and myself as to who can make more money. Um, my brother has always been the winner because of his career path. And so you know, I would, last year I was like creeping up and then, um, the end of last year I tipped over and surpassed him. And he's like, you know, I, he's incredibly proud. He's incredible. They all are. And, the, and they're so cute and telling me how proud they are of what I've accomplished. And he loves hearing my numbers. He's so funny. I made, uh, 30,000 in one week last year during enrollment. And we'll do it again. We'll probably surpass it this enrollment. And he was just mind blown that you can make that much money in a week. And <laughs> I ended up doing over 150,000 in eight weeks, but it was a really big week. And, and yeah, and he's just consistently mind blown and just can't believe what entrepreneurship can do for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an amazing journey. And that's the thing. It, it, it very much is kind of a, that rocky road sometimes because you are, you know, when you work online, you're you have an online community, but you're alone most of the time. So if you're a little bit extroverted, sometimes that can be a little bit tricky. Yeah, absolutely. Thankfully, I have my assistant. She's, she's an extrovert. I'm an extrovert. So it's so funny because a lot of times, because you are, you're working by yourself. We will get on Zoom and work together like nice. we're in an office. <laughs> and so, so funny because I'll just box to her and I'll be like, hey, do you want to Zoom? And she'll be like, yeah, we did it today. <laughs> and so, and I'm like, I'm writing an email, so I've got to concentrate for just a little bit, but then we can talk. And like, that helps having a buddy um, to just talk with and and things like that. Because entrepreneurship, it, it can be lonely sometimes. It's definitely a roller coaster. Yeah. Lots of ups and downs in entrepreneurship, but it's totally worth it. I've always been somebody that goes against the grain. Mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I always do the opposite of what everyone else thinks I should do. I've always been that way and it served me well in this case. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I have two more questions for you. Um, the first one is, so when you retired your husband and the whole journey of you starting your business, was there any kind of, um, I don't know, uh, bumps in the road from you working at home and your husband being at home as well? Or perhaps you earning more money than your husband? Was that ever an issue in the, in the marriage? Oh, yeah. Yes, it was an issue. Before I retired him, 
I quickly became the breadwinner and it was really hard. We had to have talks about his ego and letting it go and how, and I think he was more concerned about what other people would think of him. Like he was somehow he had resolved it to he's a loser and you know, not a man because his wife earned more. And I've always referred to it as our money. I've always referred to it. I mean, he has access to our bank account and, you know, all of those things and he can get whatever he wants when he wants. And he knows that, but it was really hard for him. It was a really hard pill to swallow. And we ha- we've had lots of conversations about letting go of anyone else's expectation of you and what works for our family works for our family. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's, you know, it's no one's business. And then as my business grew and got more successful and uh, we got to an income where I could afford for him to not work anymore um, last year. So he, like I said, he was a contractor and he came home. It was the middle of summer and he almost had a heat stroke. I mean, his, his blood pressure went through the roof. Wow. Hail. I thought I was going to have to take him to the hospital and he, he didn't have to be working at that point but it was still this pride thing that he was hanging on to right? as, you know, Oh, I've got to keep on working. Mm-hmm. And even though he was killing himself doing it and, and I told him right then and there, I said, listen, I said, you're done. We're not doing this anymore. I said, you're out there killing yourself. And for what? Yeah. For nothing. We are perfectly comfortable. All of our bills are paid. We have tons of excess and there's absolutely no reason for you to be doing this. And he finally was like, you're right. And he just let go. But he had to do a lot of his own inner work to really feel good about it. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, I don't know what I would do without him. He takes care of, we have four dogs, takes care of our dogs. We have a pool, he takes care of the pool, he takes care of the yard. He runs the kids to practices. Well, not our oldest now, because our oldest drives, but he does all the grocery shopping. He does all the laundry. He does all the cooking and cleaning. And, and, you know, he says sometimes he's busier than what he was before he was retired. Yeah. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. Yeah. There's a, there's a ton for him to do, but also when I get, when I see him and he gets to take a break, I'm like, isn't it nice? And we, you know, we have a coffee date in our living room every single morning. (laughs) That's so nice. I love that. And I'm like, isn't this great that we get to sit here and and drink coffee and you don't have to get up and rush out the door. And, you know, I just, I try to recognize those little moments when they happen Mm -hmm. and just show gratitude for them. I never want to lose that. As a matter of fact, that sign right there is so special. It says, I still remember the days that I prayed for the life I have now. Oh, that's so nice. I never want to lose, I never want to lose sight of that. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. I love that gratitude. Thank you. So um, one more question before we wrap this up. And this is uh, one that I've been waiting to ask. (laughs) How did you keep the romance alive in your marriage with so many, you know, road bumps? So our sex and intimate relationship is a lot like entrepreneurship. (laughs) It's up and down. Sometimes I'm not really feeling it. Sometimes he is. Uh, well, he always is, <laughs> but it wasn't always like that in the relationship. It's so funny. We joke about it now because when I was pregnant with our second child, I, um, 
he, I don't know, he was really weird and like never wanted to have sex. And I remember like crying and I had this big belly and I was like, are you just not attracted to me anymore? And of course we crack up about it now, but you know, I'm, I'm totally comfortable talking about sex. I think it's, it's a completely natural and good thing for a marriage, you know, or even a close committed relationship. We don't do anything weird. We don't have toys or anything like that. Although some couples are really into that, but, but we have, we have fun. Sometimes we'll be in our pool and our kids will be gone and (laughs) we'll get a little, we probably have sex more in our pool, honestly, than our bed. (laughs) That's our current thing right now. So, or like the other day I asked him, I was like, do you want to take a shower with me? And he came and he got in the shower with me. And so it's just, recognizing that you don't always have to be in the mood, just be committed to being intimate with your partner and you'll get there. Cause there's a lot of times where I'm like, leave me alone. Sometimes he's like, I mean, he's like a dog in heat sometimes where he just won't leave me alone. And I'm like, God, I'm just going to do it. So you go away. <laughs> but, um, and I think a lot of women probably feel that way. And he has a much, much higher sex drive than, me, which I think could be a problem in some relationships if you let it, but I'm also open to, okay, he really wants to be intimate right now. I really am not feeling like it, but why don't I just give it some time? So I'll sit down and and make out with him or, you know, start being intimate with him. And then, you know, I quickly get in the mood. So just not being led by your feelings, I think is really important because you're not always going to feel like you want to be in and intimacy doesn't always have to be sex either. Right. Yeah. I love that you said that. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I mean, intimacy can be in so many other ways, you know, like cuddling or just foreplay or taking a shower together or rubbing each other's backs, um, things like that. And, you know, just not being led by your feelings, I think is really important because you're not always going to feel up to it, but making a conscious decision that, and men, especially, associate connection with physical intimacy and recognize that. And so when he's feeling like he really wants to be close to me, um, I feel like as his partner and as his wife, I should give him that in some form. And that's just, it's just a way of me to serve him because he's just craving that closeness with me. Mm -hmm. And I think that has attributed to a really great sex life. We don't, don't ever let it go too long without being intimate. I think that's really important because I think it's easy with life and kids and work and all the things to let your sex life really go to the wayside. And I think just recognizing like, Hey, we haven't had any that time in a while. And so like, let's have that time together, I think is, is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I think there's so much great information there. And, uh, I definitely agree that um, I think intimacy is a really, really important part of relationships that, you know, you really have that bond that you don't have with anybody else unless you have that arrangement in your marriage, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. It has been an absolute pleasure. I know I could speak to you all day. <laughs> I'm going to put all your links. Um, if you go to <laughs> rebellove.com slash April, you can see all of your links, but if you want to just let people know if they want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah, so you can just go to our website, myvaschool.com, um, or you can send me an email, hello at myvaschool.com. And yeah, I'd love to hear from everybody. Perfect, perfect. 
And thank you again so much for being here. I've loved this conversation, um, talking about all your business and your love life and how you kind of marry those together. So it's really, really nice to hear a marriage be so successful and also hear that it wasn't always that way. So again, I appreciate you so much for being so honest with us. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is so good. Bye, April. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast, the podcast about love, sex, relationships, and money. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform and find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast.